It's the NFL preseason. Check out the Ringer Fantasy Football Show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, if you need fantasy rankings, we've got our rankings and sleepers at fantasyfootball.theringer.com. So come listen to Danny Heifetz, Craig Horlbeck, and me, Danny Kelly, on the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. It's the Full Go, presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up, and with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. And right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filtered by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays, or SGPs as the kids like to call them, all on one page. Plus, start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21+. plus. 18 plus in DC and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler or visit rg help.com. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Pondering the Bagel with Tom. Oh, the paradox of the bagel. Tis crunchy yet soft. Tis filling yet has a hole. Tis a vehicle for spreads, but only travels from toaster to plate. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. Chicago everywhere, check it. It's not enough Chicago. We just don't have enough Chicago people. Jason Goff is here. Well, I'm at Full Go. The Full Go Podcast. The Full Go. Bears, Bulls, White Sox, Cubs, and Blackhawks. Our man, Jason Goff. Three times a week with Jason Goff. His mood is elevated. (laughs) He is feeling good. Jason, I'm loving the Full Go. Love the Full Go. The Full Go. The Full Go. Welcome to Full Go with Jason Goff. That is what I'm Talking about. What up, world? You're listening to the Full Go with Jason Golf, presented by the Ringer, a Spotify original. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. One game out of the AL Central lead on your ass. Uh huh. The Chicago White Sox back doing the shit that they were supposed to do at the start of the season, which is battle. Huh? Everybody got all the chains. Everybody got all the pretty shoes, the great haircuts, the fly cars. They run the city. It's the summertime, so ain't nobody mad. You can still be 500 and walk around this city comfortably in a way that you couldn't do before. But guess what? Guess what? Not this White Sox team. Not Johnny Cueto's bunch. And that's right. It is Johnny Cueto's bunch. Because shout out to Johnny C. He came into this clubhouse, came into this dugout, and started calling motherfuckers out. And every once in a while, you need some professional discomfort at your workplace. You know how you feel. You walk around all day long. Everybody's doing the same job, you know, giving the same mid-ass level of effort. And then all of a sudden, you get somebody dropped in on fries or or on the burger assembly that just isn't happy with the quality control of the food that's going out of that restaurant. And that's Johnny damn Cueto. Johnny Cueto came in this bitch and said, I don't like what I'm seeing. I've been here for two weeks and I don't like what I'm seeing. Right? Right? And guess what he did? He went out there and took the ball. You don't ever see starters get the ball going into the eighth inning down in the MLB anymore. You don't see that anymore. Remember back in the day we used to see complete game losses put on pitchers? Right? Be like, ah, oh, well, his manager thought he had to go out there for that last inning and take that 5 3 loss. No, no, no. You don't see that anymore. So the fact that Johnny Cueto backed up his talk with terrific outing and then 
And then you get Dylan Cease going up against Justin Verlander. That slider wasn't sliding tonight, right? And that and, and that fourth and fifth inning, that slider that's possibly maybe the best pitch in all of baseball, it was high. He was leaving that bitch hanging a couple of times and Altuve took him out. And, you know, he was getting hit. He was getting touched a little bit more than you're used to seeing Dylan Cease. But, hey, shout out to him. Hats off to Dylan Cease. 14 straight starts of one or fewer runs, if I'm not mistaken. It was one or fewer or two or fewer. I think it was one or fewer because it looked like the Matrix. His game logs looked like, you know, how Y2K when we when everybody thought that, that the computers was going to shut down because the computers couldn't read the syntax and it was just a bunch of ones and a bunch of O's. That's what Dylan Cease did to people these last 14, 15 starts or so. Major league record worth. So him coming out here tonight and not going the, the distance, you know, the seven innings, six innings that you think he should go or accustomed to him going, that's fine. My man Jimmy Lambert came out of the bullpen. You got a Vince Velasquez sighting uh, as well. Like, come on, man. These last two nights are exactly, exactly what White Sox fans have been expecting, have been hoping for, and, and, and damn near shouldn't tolerate anything else but. All right? We've been talking on this podcast for weeks about this team not having the proper approach at the plate, about chasing balls out of the strike zone. Well, guess what they did tonight? As soon as Justin Verlander got in a little bit of trouble later in the game, they got him up out of there, and then they got to that bullpen. And they got to their some of their best guys in the Houston Astros bullpen. Like, they're getting to their setup men. This is, I, I don't want two games to sway me. I don't want a five-game winning streak to sway me. But what Yoan Moncada has done back-to-back nights, I mean, A.J. Pollock, uh, the, the game before getting on base, right? Uh, you know, Jose Abreu, the way that he's hit in the quote unquote clutch, like these things matter. And, and, you know, better late than never. This shit should have been happening a lot earlier in the season. But for whatever reason, and with Tim Anderson out of the lineup, maybe this offense feels like it has to focus, take it back to his game plan a little bit more. You got Luis Robert with the sprained left wrist trying to slide into second base the night before. So he's, you know, he didn't play tonight. And, the way it looked during pregame warmups when he was catching the ball and grimacing every time he caught, uh, you know, uh, uh, caught a ball while playing catch. Like, I don't know how long he's going to be out, but this team, they put themselves behind the eight ball. So the, the, the baseball that they had to play going into this seven game series, uh, I'm sorry, I should say this seven game stretch, uh, against the Astros and against the Guardians is imperative. So the fact that they get off to a two and oh start, in the seven-game seven stretch, like you had to go 5-2, right, to really make some hay. It, it, they're already a little bit less than halfway there, only two games into the stretch. And Cleveland did his job by losing. The Twins have done their job by losing on this Tuesday night. Like These are wins, and this is the kind of baseball the White Sox fans uh, have been expecting and hoping for, and the White Sox have finally delivered. But shout-out once again to Dylan Cease tonight. Five innings pitched, six hits, three earned runs. Four strikeouts, a low number for him. His pitch count was high. Uh, he had 93 pitches in five innings. But this is the kind of game, man. This is the kind of game. Taking that cool off. Gavin Sheets busting his ass. Out. I have to pinch hit Gavin Sheets, by the way. Busting his ass out the box. Kyle Tucker airmailing that ball over the cutoff, man. Him heading in the third. A two-run double ends up with a man on third and one out. Like, those are the little things that you thought you were going to see from a Tony La Russa. Well, what used to be Tony La Russa, but from a Tony La Russa managed ball club. So I'm, uh, I'm head over heels on a night like this. I've been bitching about this team all year long and also saying that I think they're going to win the division. 
because of how talented they are. They just had to turn it on at some point. And God bless Johnny Cueto for being the Carl Everett of this group and making shit uncomfortable in that dugout, making shit uncomfortable in that clubhouse. It's okay. It's, and I know everybody is worried about everybody's mental health. I know everybody wants to be everybody's friend and make sure everybody's, you know, uh, uh, vibing at the, at the proper frequency. Fuck that. It's, it's, it's time to get playoff ready. This division ain't shit. This division ain't sh- been shit for a while now. There's no, th- this team should be six, seven games up. Said it last podcast. I'm going to continue to say it. You look around at this division and what's happening in it. The Guardians don't want this division, and the Twins damn sure did, don't deserve it. Now, if we're talking about deserving, maybe the Sox don't deserve it, but the Sox damn sure are the most talented team still in this division. So to see them actually have a different kind of approach and different kind of game plan, especially against Justin Verland, I mean, they were, they were out there making Justin Verland to work. You know, this wasn't Justin Verland just, you know, knocking down the Sox left, right, left, right. Hey, listen, this dude got touched up by the Sox the last time they saw him. I believe on June 19th or June 18th, touched him up. His shortest outing of the season, I believe three and two-thirds, something like that, gave up six, seven runs. Like he got touched. He got, he got touched up. So the, the eventual AL Cy Young Award winner came into your town and squared off against your ace in Dylan Cease. And y'all went eye to eye and were down. And he handed it over to the bullpen and you beat him. You beat this bullpen two games in a row. Now, games three and four, there's no fear. Now, if you have good at-bats against the next two game starters, you get into that bullpen, next thing you know, you're feeling, you feeling like, okay, I'm in the position that I was in on Monday and on Tuesday. I'm, I'm fine. I like to facing this bullpen. So shout out to Tony LaRusso and the White Sox tonight, man. You know, shout out to Gavin Sheets and Yohan Moncada for another tough at-bat. I mean, that ball was in on Yohan Moncada's hands. That, 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 that's... You know that that's strength. <laughs> that, that's that a big is, boy play, man. Mm-hmm. That that ain't that ain't just some meatball left out over the plate. And next thing you know, you're feeling good about yourself. That that shit was in on his fists, and he had to turn it around. Yes. And let's face it, Yohan Mankata has struggled this year. He struggled this year mightily with injuries and rhythm and all the other things. But the last two nights, Tony, this is this is why you know you, you talk about great prospects. I remember when the Chris Sale trade was made. Right? And was you going to get Ben Intendi? Were you going to get Mankata? Like, what was happening here? You, you got this dude. And, and he, he's, at times, a hell of a third baseman. There's, at times, he can put together a week of baseball where you're like, this guy is a stud. But he hadn't been able to piece it together. Much like Eloy Jimenez, you know, much like Luis Robert early on in their careers. It's about consistency. This fucking team is as cool as everybody wants him to be. But you got to have substantive style as well. Nights like this make you look cooler. Nights like this where you play clean games. And by the way, whoever the official scorer over <laughs> over at Guarantee Rate Field, this is like the third time in a week where a pitcher has gotten a hit stapled to him that was clearly an error. Clearly an error. Right? But I guess the official score is like, hey, man, this defense is bad enough. You know, it ain't no worse than, ain't, no, ain't nothing worse than last. So adding errors to the, to the tally ain't really going to help us out here. But man, that was an exciting playoff style baseball game. That's the kind of shit the White Sox need to be engaging in on a nightly basis. And it doesn't matter who is out there. Because I know they're getting it up right now because it's the Astros, right? Your main man, Tim Anderson, is down. Johnny Cueto is out here questioning people's manhood and shit. Like I, and then they got the Astros, 
right? You feel, you know, you get your slump buster in with the Tigers, right? You go to the bar and you're like, all right, I'm gonna pour like $50 worth of drinks down the Tiger's throat and, you know, go go hang out with her after. That, that's, that's what the Tigers are. Tigers make you feel good about yourself. They, they are the team that picks up at 3 a.m. no matter what. No matter how bad you've treated them, <laughs> no matter if you don't call them back after you hang out with them, no matter what, the Tigers are going to be there. Ah, but what happens when you step into a new arena and, and things get ratcheted up? Huh? You know, Johnny Black over there, my man Dusty Baker. You know, these, these, these are World Series. Um, this is World Series timber that you're going up against. Jose Altuve is, is one of the, the greatest annoyances of all time, right? Supremely talented player who is five foot nothing and weighs 100 nothing and will hit a bomb on you like he did tonight. But Jose Altuve also had his misgivings this evening as well, which I'm sure my man Herb Lawrence was very happy about because he hates Jose Altuve. This is fun, though, man. This is what the summer was supposed to feel like. I hate that it's happening so late, but I'm happy that it's happening no matter what, right? Like, <laughs> this, is, this, is the, this is the abuse. Yeah, we'll re- yeah this is the abuse. <laughs> nah, they're they going to win this division. Dog. Like, this... The, the, the Guardians and Twins have played... Um, they've, they've played available as long as they possibly can, I think. I, you, you think the Guardians are going to cause some tear? They can't score. They can't score. Man, I've, I've seen all the White Sox baseball that I need to see to right? not be definitive on anything. How they, much you want to put on them that they're going to win the division? They're game back if, right if, now. If, if I had to pick, I'm going to pick the White Sox. But like they don't deserve, for me, as a, as a, as a White Sox fan, they don't deserve my faith at mm. this point. I'm, I'm not giving that to them. I'm just mm. for a nice little stretch. This is, a man, this is a man heading into a marriage with this kind of complex right here. This is a man who is talking about who deserves his faith or not. Like sometimes, really? sometimes you got you got to you got to believe things that they might not be, uh, you know, in clear view. Tony, come on now. Like this is this is one of the tenets, one of the tent poles <laughs> of the foundation of marriage. You know, you married to the White Sox. I'm married to the White Sox. Right? Uh, what are you talking I got, about? I, I got over 100 games of the White Sox. <laughs> Man, what's the sleep during the game? Come on, bro. You got too much empirical evidence, is what you said. You got... <laughs> hey, by the way, shout out to uh, whoever, uh, whoever's dad that was that was yelling at Tony the night before and telling him to put Adam Engel in to pinch run. Uh, I'm sure Tony had it covered. Well, I'm not sure, but I-, I believe Tony had it covered. And, you know, simultaneously you're screaming from the stands to do something that he was already coming out there to do. But shout out to White Sox fans for just being the the lovable, perfect assholes that they always are. Like, we, we have earned our reputation here in this city, and-, and we will never, ever let it go. I'm glad we lost the reputation of running on the field and beating shit out of first base coaches. That was a that was a bad look for us for a little bit there, and we kind of got that stain off our reputation. But yeah, man, this is this is what it's supposed to be like. I hate that the fucking weather has had to change for me to feel like this. I, I wanted to feel like this when it was 90 degrees out every day. It is 65 degrees at night now in Chicago. You hear me? Football is around the corner. Uh, somebody cue up the autumn winds from from the NFL uh, film soundtrack, right? Like, that is coming for us. And these mother... These dudes are just starting to play the baseball that I believe they could play this entire time. You could put some runs up. You could have big innings. Just let it come to you, right? Like, 
on the macro and the micro, uh, uh, even in the Yohan Mankata's at bat. Like, you know how long you have to wait back to let that ball get that deep into the hitting zone? Like, that's an off-speed pitch that is barreling in on your hands. And you're like, you know what? I just got to have a little bit more patience so I can muscle this thing out into, into right field. Like, these are the things, man. These When I talk about taking you cool off with this team, I love the way this team uh, moves when they're winning and the swag that they have. But when they get into a rut, they don't know how to get out of it with the hustle play, with, you know, the fundamental play that everybody's not going to clap for, but you're like, okay, they didn't get an extra 90 feet because you actually hit a cutoff man, right? Like the little things, the substantive style that is necessary for a team to be a championship contender, they haven't had this year. They've had all the style, a little bit of substance. The pitching staff has carried their asses the entire year long. But if this lineup can wake its ass up and have better at-bats, I mean, Andrew Vaughn against the Detroit Tigers did what he had to do, you know? Yohan Moncada the last two nights has done what he had to do. Andrew Vaughn, hell, the night before, did what he had to do. Fight. Right? Don't go up to the plate already, you know, with a, with a one-two count. Like, this is softball. Like, hitter's leverage is a thing. And for whatever reason, the White Sox this year have not taken walks and have put themselves in so many bad counts that you can't be the best hitter that you could possibly be. Grinding at bats out is battling. That's, that's cool as well. You know? Not swinging at anything that you can't do anything with. Like, even if the pitch is down in the way and it might nip the strike zone and you know you're not going to do anything but punch that bitch over to second base or roll it over to second base, make the pitcher work. And that's what the White Sox did tonight. That's what they did the night before. That's what they have to do down the stretch of these games heading into the playoffs. This team is talented enough. Tony La Russa can't even get in the way of this. But it's up to these players. And I'm glad Johnny Cueto or somebody in that clubhouse, somebody in that dugout had the balls to say what they said. If the shit is not, you know, permissible, then you got to call it out. This team has not been moving the way that they should. And, and finally, finally, you start to see them. You st- something clicked. Something has clicked over these last four or five games. Like I said, maybe it's the Tigers. You know, maybe it's you um, waking up late in the game against the Astros. Whatever it is, that's five straight wins. This team hadn't been four games over 500 since they were 6-2 and two to start the season. <laughs> we, we in August. We're in August. This team's been floating around 500 so long. They've been like two games up, two games down the entire season. You know how hard that is to be that average? <laughs> At some point, you bottom out or you realize what the hell you actually are. And hopefully for White Sox fans, this team is realizing what the hell they actually are here at the end of the season. So shout out to Dylan Cease and his record of starts with one or no runs given up. Shout out to that slider that just wasn't sliding. That was after he put that, you know, old slider poem on that shirt and everybody's happy for him. As soon as he did that, the slider gave up on his ass. <laughs> Fourth and fifth inning, his slider wasn't sliding. You know, his slider wasn't ready to slide. But you, 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 you pat him on the back and say, hey, thank you for carrying us for the last month and a half straight. 
We appreciate you. We'll hand this thing over to the bullpen. Jimmy Lambert and the boys. Then you get Liam Hendricks coming in there like a goddamn madman screaming and and gesticulating. And you got the lights going off and on, flickering a guaranteed Ray Field. That was real playoff vibes out there. All right? Uh, you got one championship team on the field, and you got another team hoping to be champions one day. We'll see. And maybe, just maybe, next pod, all this will be for naught, and the Sox will have pissed the bed for two straight games, and I'll be angry again. But damn it, give me this at least. Give me this, huh? I put my kid to bed, I watched some damn baseball, and I told myself I was going to come in here and be happy. Don't take that away from me, White Sox. You better not. Coming up next on The Full Go, we got a treat for you. The incomparable, the amazing, the talented Joy Taylor, Fox Sports, Fox Sports 1. You hear her on The Herd. She's on Speak for Yourself. She's got a radio show. She's got a pod. She's going to talk to you about the ins and outs of her journey, what happens as a woman in the industry, and where the content game is going. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Pondering the Bagel with Tom. Oh, the paradox of the bagel. Tis crunchy yet soft. Tis filling yet has a hole. Tis a vehicle for spreads, but only travels from toaster to plate. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. Hey, guys, this is Ozzy Guillen, and you are listening to The Full Go with Jason Goff on The Ringer in a Spotify. Thank you so much for jumping on with us. I truly appreciate you. Of course. Thank you for having me. Oh, no problem. No problem. So... Uh, we only we only rock with people that we rock with on this podcast, and you are one of the people that uh, I have uh, been a fan of for a very, very, very long time. And oh, partly, partly because I can hear the radio roots anytime I hear you breaking things down, taking things to multi-level and layered conversations. Um, you always got the second and third thought on deck, which I appreciate. Uh, Seven ninety a.m. in Miami. The, the, the beginning for Joy Toilet. We can even go back, by the way, to, to a show apparently that was called The Noise back in your college days. So give me your radio background, your, your bone fee days before we jump into Joy Taylor, the person that is presented to us on Fox Sports 1 on a daily basis. Well, I, I really loved radio first. Uh, everyone has like an entrance to media. Like they love movies or, you know, they loved Sports Center, or they loved Al Michaels or John Madden. And radio to me was always, it was always this platform that kind of made you feel a part of things. And great radio hosts have a way of bringing you in the room. And when things are live and they feel kind of like chaotic in the studio and, you know, you're driving to work and you're hearing these personalities that you kind of get this attachment to because you listen to them every day. It's a very unique experience. And when I was in school, when I was in college, it was really sort of the emergence of debate and opinion shows in the sports space and in the political space. And I felt that radio would give me a better background in that, which is what I wanted to do, was opinion. I felt like it would give me a better background in that than, say, starting as a reporter or, you know, a writer or something like that. And I also just love the ability to, you know, create an environment and create and build a personality. And also, um, you know, you can talk for a long time. Right, right, right. right. Uh, You have a little more space. So... 
so I really loved radio first and the noise was my, my students show at Barry university, the student radio station. And it was like sports and music. And I would, you know, do interviews of like, you know, local musicians and, you know, people from around the school. And, uh, you know, I would probably cringe to listen to any of those recordings now, but you know, you get better with reps. And to me, starting at the radio station there, um, the internships that I did when I was in college really gave me a great background for, you know, what to expect in the industry and what, what works on the personality level. So how has it changed in terms of not just the, the dynamic, but the mediums that we relay this content, this information from, for you, because, uh, you know, the radio now, the terrestrial radio is going the way of like the newspaper with podcasts and on-demand situations available for everybody, but there's still a place for it, right? And there's still, just like how reality TV took over, you know, the, the, the format on television for years and years and years, and still has. And then all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, where are all the written shows going? What, what do you see as the, the next exploitable bubble in, in, in media right now in terms of what people are doing and, and not yet on as much, but will be the next wave for young broadcasters? Well, I think taking advantage of things like Twitter spaces and IG Live and YouTube Live, things like that is really big for people who are breaking into the industry because those things are free. And you can really build a significant following, particularly in the sports space, without having to spend any money. I mean, you have your phone. That's really all you need. You know, I have some Amazon lighting in here. Works nice. You know, I put this together myself. I don't. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, it doesn't matter. You no, know, I got you. It, it, it's not, it doesn't have the same uh, challenges that it had where you used to have to buy all this equipment and recording equipment and editing equipment. You don't need any of that anymore. So I always encourage young people to start building their platform on social media as early as they can and to really be intentional with what they're doing with that. Because I know people who have gotten jobs off of social media and a lot of companies do not understand the digital space still at all. So they're very willing to hire younger people because they get it. They, they understand how to use it. They understand TikTok. They understand Instagram. They understand YouTube and these platforms at a higher level and know what is effective on them. So Twitter obviously is huge as well, as I mentioned, Twitter spaces. So, you know, I, we had social media, but I mean, Facebook came out the year, my freshman year of college. So we were in the infancy stages when I was graduating. It was YouTube, but we weren't using Twitter the way that it's used now. Facebook was still a very big deal. I mean, I like we're talking about like MySpace and stuff. So like it's it's very much evolved. And I think it's a good thing because it gives people the opportunity to get, you know, traction in the business without having to spend any money. It can reach people that you've never, you know, before would ever imagine being able to connect with. So um, that I think is, you know, is the new wave. Sports is really exploding um, and, and will continue to grow in value because, as you mentioned, everything is now on demand. Sports and politics or, you know, breaking news are the only things that people watch live on television anymore, really. Like, mm-hmm. just that's what it is. We watch everything else on demand. You can very easily record your shows. You don't have to, like, dump stuff off TiVo or anything, you know? So <laughs> everything is streaming. So it's just changed. It changed the world. Sports, you have to watch live still and breaking news and, you know, elections and things like that. So it's really made sports a premium at, in a way that it's, it's never really 
it's never been ever in history because of the change with uh, on demand. So I'm glad you segued to the the sports and politics portion, and not jumping into anything any in specific, but the convergence of those two lanes and and the the cross section and the people who don't want you to do that, as opposed to the people who are always looking for you to do that because of your representation. I mean, we we as minorities we we are asked sometimes to speak for all minorities, and and that's a part of the problem as well, because it's like, hey, we're not a monolith. Like, you know, I'd love the fact that there are people who look like me who don't agree with me, but we could have some kind of dialogue, some kind of discourse. Um, This country seemingly had an awakening a couple of years ago. Seems like it's right back asleep after that couple of year awakening has worn off. Uh, How has it changed how you move, if at all, and how, how do you predict the business um, going forward, the, the changes that will occur, because now we're, we're starting to see people run to the spaces that don't have that or don't have people covering things in totality or experientially. Like, where, where do you see the, the consumer going after we kind of had this data sample of the last couple of years of people getting normalized to, hey, I'm a citizen as well as I like football and I could talk about everything involved. So how do you how do you see that changing here? Well, I think people are going to lean more into what it is they authentically are. If they're someone who is, you know, socially active, who is active in their community, who, you know, cares about politics or cares about social causes, they're going to insert that into their content. And what we learned over the past couple of years is you don't get the privilege of being exempt from what's going on in the world just because you're an athlete or because you're in media or anything. The pandemic affected everyone. Not equally, obviously, but it affected everyone. The world was shut down. Didn't matter if you were rich or poor. The world still shut down. So I think that that combined with obviously the Trump presidency, obviously George Floyd, you know, and all the things that have emerged uh, over the past, I I would go back even further, Me Too. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's been... Yeah, Colin Kaepernick. So there's been these these massive moments over the past, you know, let's call it six or seven years that have really steered the conversation around sports to a more aware space. I don't like to use the word woke because somehow they've weaponized no, no, that no, word. No, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and if you're if you're not watching on Channel Zero at home, uh, that was the hardest eye roll that I've seen here <laughs> on the Full Go Podcast, demonstrated by one Joy Taylor. Um, so I think, you know, some people will lean into that. I don't, I, I was not as politically active. I've always voted. I voted in every election that I was eligible to vote in. So I've always, you know, felt like it's my duty to, you know, be aware, but I wasn't someone who would sit around and argue about politics for sure. But over the, you know, over the past seven years or so, the world has changed a lot. and. It's, I don't feel, I feel like that's a privilege to just ignore what's affecting everybody. And, you know, I have a, I feel like I have a duty and also I have a desire. And also, uh, I don't know if I can curse on here. You can curse. You can do whatever the fuck you want to do on here. This shit affects me too. I don't need taxes. (laughs) Like the idea that just because you're in the sports media or because you're an athlete that you can't have an opinion. Cool. Here. You know what? I'll keep my mouth shut. Do I get to abide by my own set of rules and laws in society? Do I get, do I not have to pay taxes? 
Can I just move however I want to move? I don't got to renew licenses. I don't have to, um, you know, I don't have to pay attention to this uh, traffic. Registrations. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, don't have to, I, I don't have to do, I do whatever I want. I'm just like an anarchist. Like if that's, if that's cool with you because of my job title, I, all right, maybe I have nothing to complain about. But the last time I checked, I still have to answer to the IRS. I still have to abide by the laws that these politicians make. You know, these things affect me as a person who lives in this country. So, of course, I'm going to have an opinion about it if it affects me. I just think it's really weird. It's a really weird thing to say. Like, don't talk about this. Cool. I'm happy to talk about it. You want to pay my taxes? I'm cool. Right. Let right. me just run you that bill and then I'll keep my mouth shut. But until that happens, I'm going to say what I want to say. Mm. And you don't have to like it. You don't have to agree. But you damn sure can't tell me I have a right to an opinion. I just think it's weird. I, I have to abide by the same laws that you do. I'm affected by the same changes. And so I just think that that's really, that's just a really strange way of looking at things. But I understand people use sports as an escape. And it is something that is very, very emotional and special to people. And that's what we love about sports is it has the ability to move us emotionally and take us to places and bring us joy and bring us sadness. And it can and bring us together as a you know society or as a country or as a, as a city or a state when something happens that's positive. I understand that. Um, I just don't, I can't vibe with the, you have to consume sports the way that I consume sports. Like, no, I don't. Right. I right. don't. You can yeah. consume it how you want to consume it and I can consume it how I want to consume it. And we're both just going to keep doing what we do. And, you know, I, so I think some people will probably maybe, be more drawn to one particular type of consumption. But overall, you know, you're going to watch the best shows and the best content. And most, right. of shows, right. most of those shows and content have something to say. That's their opinionated people. That's why they're in those spaces. So I've been in television now for the last two and a half, three years of my career, uh, 16 in radio. And the, there's a stark difference, obviously, because a visual medium and, a, and a, you know, an auditory medium. But uh, one, my, my mom's friends finally believe I have a job, which is always fun. And, and two, boy, I did not know. And it's something that I, men, I'm sure, take for granted. Uh, but I did not know how much my appearance affects people. <laughs> and, and sometimes I go, I, I follow you on Twitter, I follow you on Instagram, and I'll be damned if, if people don't always have something to say about and, and you're talented as hell. You're beautiful. You're smart. You're funny. All those things. But I've talked to women in this industry um, time and time again, and the always having to be on, always having to quote unquote look your best, always having to uh, present yourself in a way whereas the content isn't uh, at the forefront. Um, are any of those things changing? Because I. I for damn sure see a whole bunch of frumpy ass dudes who, who find themselves on television, look like they got some shit off the rack yesterday and nothing gets said. Whereas you talk to some of the women here locally in Chicago and behind the scenes, they'll tell you, yeah, these program directors can't wait to tell you stop wearing stripes or you're getting a little on the heavy side, all these other things. And you're like, wait a minute, when, when do we get past that for um, for everybody? And, and I know it's probably, you know, kumbaya I mean, all that other shit, but. Is that, how does that change, if, if at all? Or is it something that is one of those, you know, casualties of war, unfortunate aspects of the business? Well, 
I'll speak for Because I know I'm tired of being called fat on television. <laughs> you feel me? I put a lot of work into this. I go out. I have a new facial routine. You feel me? I, oh, the creams okay. and the serums. You know, I, I, my, my <laughs> tailor has stepped his game up. Like, I'm doing everything I can do. And if, and if, if your boy checks in at a, a little bit over 215, I'm out here crying tears into a tub of ice cream. Now, Joy Taylor, you're a veteran in this game. I, I need to know the coping mechanisms for the, for the assholes out here on, on social media. Uh, well, okay. So there's a lot to unpack here. We'll start with the last one. The coping mechanism for me is I, I just, I, I don't care what these people, right. About what I, I, I do fine. Like they're worried about, I do fine, honey. I do. Fine. I've never had a complaint. I've never had one single complaint. Talk one. your shit. I'm 35 years old. That's a lot of years. I feel you. Complaints. I've not gotten one. Uh, not a person. Say it again. So, so <laughs> I don't know. You could feel this way personally. That's fine for you. But I am positive I'm okay. Right. Uh, you're all, opting into the Joy Taylor life every day is what you say. Yeah. I mean, the, the, all of this is has worked for me. It, I've been successful in that space. I have no issues personally. So I don't really like, I just, okay, if you think I'm fat, that's fine. I have a mirror and I'm not. <laughs> you do well. Right. <laughs> when I'm on the heavier end, I do fine. When I'm on the lighter end, I do fine. It just really doesn't matter because I'm fine. And that's just what it is. So that's one. Two, these people would never say this to your face. Never, never. I mean, we're talking about the highest level of cowards that exist in the world. People who have time on their hands to make fake accounts to call other people names. Like that's next level coward shit. I've got a guy that I've blocked 41 times. He just keeps, re- he just keeps replacing the number. And I'm like, yeah, at this like, point, their, you got it, man. Mind, this, is, <laughs> this is a normal way to behave. This is normal. Right. So like, that's not somebody I can really consider their opinion. Um, if some, I say this, if you wouldn't take this person's advice, you should not take their criticism. So if I wouldn't come to you like, Hey, how do I look? I don't care if you don't think I look good. Yeah, I would never ask you that. I'm unconcerned with, with what you think I look like. I ask very few people actually what I look like. And most of them are professionals, like professional union makeup artists and hairstylists and wardrobe stylists. Right, right. Um, who do this, who receive checks to make me look good. And you're not in that category. Bob 76421. So that's <laughs> one that's one part of it. Um now, it is an aesthetic medium, right? Like, it, there are aesthetics involved with this. So the other part of your question, because it, I will say, it does bother me when I see a, a man putting in no effort whatsoever. I'm like, I would never get away with that. Not ever. I would be dragged for putting in that level of effort. But there is a double standard. We know that. Mm-hmm. Um, to your point, it bothers me when it becomes bigger than the contents. It's just, it's just silly. Like, yes, I, t- I am on, a, I'm on television. So I'm going to try and present right. how I want to look on television. I don't think there is a professional way to look on television. Some people wear hoodies and expensive sneakers, and that's the vibe for that show. Sometimes it's suits, sometimes it's dresses, sometimes it's blazers, it's whatever. Like, I don't, how you wear your hair, none of that is relevant to me. Whatever makes you present in a way that you feel confident and you look how you want to look presenting is professional to me. So I don't really run into 
the, I know a lot of people who work locally who still deal with like, you can't wear your hair this way, or mm-hmm. you, know, you can't wear stripes or like, you need to lose some weight. I'm talking about lawsuits like this, honey. So I don't really deal with that. And I know it's real. I encourage people to let them know you can't talk to me like that. And, and I know sometimes everybody is not in a situation or right. feels confident, like saying something like that to their boss, but I don't know that we are a hundred percent past that. I just, I don't think that we are. Cause I hear those stories too. And I'm like, you know, and I've dealt with it. I've dealt with it as well. But I also am like, what we're not going to do is what we're not going to do is have you tell me how to wear my hair. Let me do this. I got mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. I got yeah. this. I got this and you're welcome. <laughs> right. Like it's just none it's of just, that. Yeah. Plain uh, simple. But there, there's definitely a double standard for sure. No doubt about it. How is it uh, working with Colin? I, I have um, I have long respected and admired the way that he does the job. You know, the content is fine. Like, you know, you can agree with somebody, you can not agree with somebody, but you can always tell uh, the angle, the work, the um, the thought that's put into his arguments and his, his conversations. How has that experience been from you from day one till now and how has it changed? Like, you know, the the work relationship that you guys have, because I think you guys strike a, a perfect balance of understanding and also being able to disagree on certain things without it sounding disagreeable, which I guess is one of the keys to this deal. Colin is one of the most prepared talents that I've I've worked with. He really does not want to wing anything. And... I have a lot of respect for that because I have worked with people who do not put in a whole lot of effort into preparation and it doesn't make them less of a talent. They're still amazing and have incredible careers. But I do sometimes wonder if you did prepare for this. How good could it be? How good could it be? And he he just, he cares about doing a good show. He doesn't want to cheat the audience. He doesn't want to do, you know, 20 minutes on, you know, is a hot dog a sandwich? Uh, and I'm not like, if someone's done that, I'm not uh, taking a shot shit, at Jesse, we got to scrap the second <laughs> segment in the show today, brother. I'm not taking a shot at anybody. Foul I'm just message. saying, like, he doesn't like to, and, and for certain shows, that's absolutely what the audience wants and they love it, but that's just not the show that Colin does. And people come to us for a certain type of show and he really wants to give them that show. So it's, you know, what's going to be on the graphics? What kind of sound do we want for this segment? What kind of statistics do I need? Uh, what guests are we booking today? You know, he's very involved in the process of creating the show and he doesn't ever take shortcuts with that. So he's he is a very prepared talent. He's been doing this for a very long time. So he is great at it. And he's just a good person. Like he's just genuinely a a great dad who loves his kids, a, a great husband who just wants to go to dinner with Anne. And he's been an incredible mentor for me, not just, you know, in an active way of like conversations that we have or, or, you know, him empowering me to be more involved in the show. But just when you observe how somebody who's at the highest level in the business goes about their life and their routine, how they treat other people, uh, what they do with their businesses, like, you know, observing how people are successful is something that, uh, that I I find important for me. I want to emulate, not duplicate, but emulate things that make other people successful, especially in my business. So it's been amazing to work with him. He's 
he's an incredible talent. And um, I think, you know, to your point, you don't always have to agree with you know, what he does, but nobody can say he doesn't work hard and doesn't put in effort into the show and to making it great. Hey, manipulating minds and motivating thought. You know, you, you open our mouths and say things into these microphones and you hope it resonates with somebody who's been doing it a long time in his career. So uh, like you said, there's there's a lot of respect there. Um, Chicago sports aren't very relevant on the national stage over the last, I don't know, five years or so. Uh, you know, I know the Cubs won in 2016 and all, and you know, Blackhawks had their run, and of course the Bulls in the in the 90s, uh, and the Bears went to the Super Bowl in 05, and the Sox won. But when we talk about Chicago sports here, and then we hear it talked about on the national level, it's few and far between. You know, kind of like uh, the front office getting booed at the All Star Weekend a couple of years ago. For you, when you look at the city as a whole, and I don't know how many times you you know you've been here or uh, how much you enjoy Chicago, when when national pundits start to start to uh, pontificate about this city, what other than you know <laughs> the Bulls surprising year last year for a lot of people, what is mostly talked about? You know, is it the Justin Fields situation right now? Is it what the Bulls are and aren't going to be? Like, what's 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 happening right now nationally whenever the, the, the Chicago area is brought up sports-wise? Well, first of all, I love Chicago. It's one of my favorite cities in the country. I'm really sad I didn't get to get there this summer. Uh, the last time I was in Chicago, actually, was All-Star, NBA All-Star. It was which, the event that shut the world down. It, it was. And it was so cold. Did you get your coat stolen? I did not get my coat stolen because I wasn't taking it off. Um, <laughs> it was freezing, but it was it's always a good time. I love Chicago. Yeah. Um, and Chicago in the summer is like nowhere else. But, um, yeah, the conversation around Chicago sports right now is is Justin Fields, public, you know, nationally. Um, I obviously I was, well, I was very happy for the Cubs when they won. It was amazing to see all the, you know, old school Cubs fans like finally get their moment mm -hmm. and it's a great sports city it's a very loyal sports city and the fans there are are passionate and, and incredible but I think when it comes to the Bears and I don't know I actually don't know how Bears fans feel about the Bears I don't have a good gauge on that not um, good okay well because certain fan bases don't understand that their teams aren't good yeah yeah you like, get your you get your you get your sections here like Cleveland, Cleveland does. Cleveland fans don't understand their team is dysfunctional. They don't get. They don't understand it. Well, That's I mean, crazy. now you, you think now 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 I feel like there are there there are yeah. more there yeah. are more realistic Cleveland Browns fans. But for a long time, I was very confused about like, do you guys know that you're not good? So. Bear, okay, so that's that, that's comforting to me. The, the The issue I have with the Bears mm -hmm. and how the Bears do business is I never really know what direction the Bears are going. And they just make these very odd choices. And even with Justin Fields, I love Justin Fields. I think Justin Fields has the potential to be great. And then you hire a defensive coach. You don't give him a line. You don't give him weapons. Don't give yeah. him an offensive line. He doesn't really have weapons. You're in this weird situation with with Rokon Smith that's kind of unexplainable. Uh, are you going to invest more in the defense? Like, if you're going to move off of him, then you should be moving off of him for some pieces that could help Justin Field on the offensive side of the ball. 
Mm-hmm. So it's just, I just feel like they make odd choices. And it's, I'm very nervous for Justin Fields because where, as you know, where you land at the quarterback position is so important. I mean, Trevor Lawrence was the bell of the ball in college. And that situation in Jacksonville last year was a dumpster fire. Mm-hmm. And I like all the moves that they've made to try and improve the situation, but it's still Jacksonville. Are they ever going to overcome being Jacksonville? I don't know. So, you know, we have so many examples of where you land affecting what you can do. So I hope they do right by Justin Fields. I hope they really, truly build around him and invest in him. But we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I'm worried. I'm worried. I'm worried they, they might Josh Rosen this thing with this young man and give him, you know, a couple of offensive coordinators, a couple of different coaches, and then say, hey, he wasn't our guy, and yeah. keep it moving. And that, it's, it goes to my argument that I try to make yearly that more quarterbacks are ruined and developed, especially in the NFL, because I remember a time where, you know, you, you had five years as a coaching staff to kind of figure it out. Now you got one. So if a guy isn't clicking the moment he comes out of school and you're looking around like, ah, I don't want to move anytime soon. It's time for me to, you know, start moving on from him. I, I, I fear if this season doesn't go the way that uh, I hope it goes, I fear that, that those are the conversations we're going to be having about Justin Fields. You, there's a guy who's playing in Miami right now who is the, um, the direct juxtaposition in terms of situations because Tua Tagovailoa came from Alabama, you know, had the hip injury. And then they were like, hey, you're a dolphin. Enjoy not having anything around you for a little bit. And then in one offseason and a draft before that, they put all the weapons they possibly can around him. Kind of like one of those to me, not just kind of, it is sink or swim for Tua Tonga-Vailoa. Uh, what do you think is more, more of a nurturing environment for a quarterback? A, a guy that's like, all right, you, you're going to learn as you go here. We're going to really see how good you are as opposed to you've got everything. You better not be bad. Well, I mean, you couldn't, you wouldn't obviously ideally want to go to a place that has good pieces and a good foundation. You'd want the Patrick Mahomes type of situation, but that is an outlier. And it's why I, I adamantly argue that young quarterbacks should play right away like week one, if you're a top 10, top 15 pick in the first, in the first round, really a, a first round pick as a quarterback, I feel like you should start immediately. I don't like the whole, they have to sit behind a veteran thing. Like, oh, it's just, you know, they, they're learning. I'm like, are they learning? Because right. there's certain jobs that you really can't learn how to do them, not learn, but you can't get better at doing them by watching someone else do them. Like I can learn things from Colin. I'm not going to get better at hosting the show by watching him. I'm going to learn how to do the show. I'm going to get better by reps, by making mistakes, by learning the beats. Those are things that you have to do. And I always say sharks are born swimming. You got to put them out there. That's my opinion of it. Because one, as you mentioned, you don't have as much time to evaluate a quarterback and see if they're good or not. Two, you need to see what they need. What is their style? How are they translating to the NFL? Are they bailing on the pocket right away? Are they st- sticking in there too long? Are they picking up the, the playbook? Are they, are, are they leaders? All those things you're not seeing if they're on the bench behind a veteran quarterback. Are they learning how to prepare? Are they learning what they should do in the weight room? Are they learning, you know, what the routine is for optimum sleep? Sure. But you're not actually getting better at playing football that way. So 
with Tua, I just felt like they never committed to him. Like the Ryan Fitzpatrick thing was stupid to me. I, we all love Ryan Fitzpatrick, but he's been on nine teams. He's right. not the guy. What did you do? You won a couple extra games. Did you make the playoffs? Did you did you go on a Super Bowl run? What did you do? Nothing. You just wasted time not evaluating Tua. And now Tua is in a situation where he has a new coach and a totally new system and a bunch of new players. And while they, it is, I think, improved on paper, certainly, he has to go out there and be incredible this year. He does. Whether yeah. that's fair or not, he has to be awesome this year. There's no more excuses. And he probably needed some more time to develop and more time to establish himself as the franchise quarterback. So I, I don't like that approach. Uh, the Dolphins tried to replace him three times. <laughs> so they were never really committed to him. But I just feel like it's like kind of the same conversation with Trey Lance. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. Jimmy there. Okay. Yes, Trey was really raw. But then you have the conversation all offseason about is Trey ready? Is he accurate? Is he going to have arm fatigue? Is he, should you really trade Jimmy Garoppolo? Like, it's his, his team or is not. You trade up three, fir- use three first rounds to get him. Of course, right. of course he's going to the future. Otherwise, it's the worst draft pick in history. So that's just, that's where I stand on that. I just think I think you should start young quarterbacks as soon as humanly possible to see what they are, to let them start developing. You have year, you have at least a year. Like if they're if they're terrible, you're not gonna get fired. You just took a rookie quarterback. Mm-hmm. The expectations from the fan base and from the front office should be reasonable. You know, otherwise the problem is not the coach, it's the front office. Yeah, no doubt about it. You got me thinking now about the Roquan Smith thing again, where unidentified people calling other, up other teams and Ryan Poles and Roquan Smith is sitting there playing this weird game of chicken when you know exactly what his value might be. And you already know that you got max five, six wins in you. So you might as well lock down one of your better players. So he's part of the foundation going forward. But uh, this is a league where weird things happen and, and we're just here to uh, take the, bear the brunt of it. Uh, no pun intended. How was uh? How was NABJ in, in Vegas? Oh, NABJ is great. It's always nice to have everybody together. It's been a little clunky over the past couple of years with, with COVID. I went to my first one in Miami. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Miami was great. Yeah, um, yeah NABJ is great. I, I love it for young journalists being able to, you know, pick the brains of the, the OGs in the business and really be able to make connections and, and you know, be together. It's It's a business of of connections and knowing people and having mentors and knowing when jobs are opening and knowing when, you know, things are changing. And, um, so I think NABJ is really important. I always encourage young people to, to join because I, I just think it's a really, it's a really great tool. I mean, I've met a lot of people that I'm, you know, very good friends with in the business at NABJ and made great connections and, um, have met people that I've mentored there. So it's it's always a great event. Vegas was Vegas was fun. Vegas is Vegas, you know. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure I was a little little bit upset that I had to had to miss this one, but you know, it it it, it happens. And shout out to uh B Pope and the Chicago chapter for winning chapter of the year at uh, NABJ. And, you know, shout out to the National Association of Hispanic Journalists who were also Yes. Uh, a part of the situation there as well. So, Joy, uh, I thank you for your time. I know you are a busy lady. I appreciate you so very much, and I will. Uh, I will keep reminding people that uh, you're not you're not looking for uh, advice when it comes to your appearance on television. If they didn't, if they didn't get that, 
during the middle of the segment. I appreciate you, though. Thank you so much. And I look forward <laughs> to doing this again soon. Oh, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Appreciate it. Joy Taylor right here on the Full Go Podcast. We'll be back with more of the Full Go with Jason Goff after a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. What up, world? It's Vic Spencer, and you're listening to The Full Goal with Jason Goff, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Oh, Tony. I was minding my business, getting through my offseason, feeling as decent as I needed to feel, and all of a sudden, Giannis Antetokounmpo had to come in and throw a monkey wrench inside the whole program. Yeah, Bulls fans, nice and settled. Yeah, Bulls fans, nice. Like, you know how, like, a, like, a, like a good crust has to settle, right? Like, like, you know, certain things just have to settle, right? You get a, you get a new crib, you got to make sure the foundation just settles, right? You get those creaky old new, new crib noises out of there. The Bulls are getting nice and settled for this season. Media day, I got the text message today from the crew. Hey, September 26th, can you be available? Sure, I can. I ain't got shit to do. That's my job. I'll be there. Media day. Can't wait, right? You know, get a chance to see Dale and Terry again, running it back with the same roster, right? Zach with new money, Lonzo, you know, hopefully in in a Bulls uniform on media day. <laughs> that'd be wild if he was in street clothes on media day, wouldn't it? That'd be super wild. Like, damn, for the picture, you can't. All right, cool. He, he but, can't do the. He can't do the leap. So yeah, the, yeah. He can't do that. He got to jump up and. Yeah. Do the jump man sign. They'll love that. <laughs> oh man. Media day. If you see the things that the people well that the players get put through during media day, it is it is a bunch of silliness and a, and a bunch of talking in the cameras uh about things that you know these players could care less about. Like this is all, that, all a, that stuff, all that stuff they showed during the games at the United Center. And when you go there, that's what day. that day is for. Right. Media it, day. It didn't happen when y'all got there. You know, it mm-hmm. didn't happen the, the night before when it was like, hey, little Teddy and his dad are coming. I'm about to scream into this camera half-heartedly until you get ready for Bulls basketball. No, no, sir. That happened on September 26th. <laughs> now enjoy your December 9th game. But I digress. I'm chilling in the cut. You know, I... I I've tried my best to stay off of Twitter this offseason as much as I possibly can, moving and grooving. My life is feeling good, all right? I've gotten no real big bulls outbreaks where it's like, oh, my God, I got to run to see what the news is. (sighs) And then your boy, Giannis Antetokounmpo, had to go and do this, courtesy of Fox 32. I think uh, anybody who asks that question uh, that plays basketball, if he said no, he would be, be a liar. You know, uh, it's a team that uh, won uh, multiple championships. It's a team that one of the greatest players, if not the greatest player, to ever play this game played for. So it's, 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 it's a no-brainer. Everybody would love to play for Chicago. Down the line, you, you never know. You know, you never know how life brings it. Maybe, maybe I play for Chicago. But uh, right now, I'm committed to Milwaukee. So I got a couple of questions here. 
Hey, who is this everybody that Giannis Antetokounmpo is talking about? Have the Bulls not been participating in free agent off-seasons for the last, I don't know, uh, 22, 23 years since Michael Jordan has played Bulls basketball? Like, who is this everybody? Is everybody in Greece. To, if he's referring to Rip Hamilton, or, or is he referring to Carlos Boozer? Is he referring to Ben Wallace? Who is he talking about here? Is he Dwayne Wade? Huh? Yeah, who who is Giannis talking about? Everybody wants to play for the Bulls, and and have I missed? Like, is it like the the multiverse where is other shit happening in other universes with Bulls basketball that I'm not aware? Am I getting the, am I getting the, the the mid version of Bulls universe? Huh? Is there is there another? Is there like a a, a planet you know Earthtron that that the Bulls are right now on a four championship? run right now, just the dynastic run. And I'm not aware of it because someone needs to tell me because Giannis Antetokounmpo is speaking to someone in the NBA and he says everybody wants to come to the world. Come the fuck on. This whole Giannis thing is hilarious to me. Four years ago, four years ago and it is documented. It is my word. I stand on this because I'm not right about a lot of shit. So when I'm right about something, damn it, I stand on it. I was saying this a while ago about Giannis Antetokounmpo specifically that this would be a place because Milwaukee would not be attractive enough to free agents. Uh, their infrastructure wasn't good enough <laughs> to get them to a championship level. And then Giannis just up and became the best damn player in all of basketball on my ass. And I was like, okay, got to eat that. But y'all remember, like, I love how narratives get written because <sighs> Giannis Antetokounmpo was ready to get the hell up out of Milwaukee. A, f- a few years back, he was. And don't let a- y'all go back and get your microfilm, your microfiche, you know, go to your local library and, and hop on the internet. Giannis was ready to roll. When he saw Eric Bledsoe continually, you know, pounding the air out of the ball at the point guard position and taking ill-advised shots in big moments, yeah, Giannis was ready to leapfrog that joint. And people started, okay. And, and me on the air here in the city of Chicago was like, this is what you got to do. You got to make that nest as comfortable as possible for when the big bird lands and whoever the big bird is, because that's what the second level of free agency or third level of real acquisitions now are in the NBA is the disgruntled star player. The year before his contract is up, you start to, you know, poke and prod a little bit, third party situations because you don't want to do the Doc Rivers. Right? You don't want to mess around and get fined and get hit for draft picks and all that other shit. But man, this is this was obvious to me. This is the guy that is in a market that may not be suitable or may not be capable to win championships or win on the level that he wants to win. And he took his game to another level. Obviously, they they acquired Drew Holiday, which was the final piece of their championship triumvirate of he, Chris Middleton, and Giannis Antetokounmpo. So things changed. We went real quick from Giannis might be out of there to isn't it good how he stuck it out and got a championship? He didn't leave. Giannis Antetokounmpo is doing it for the NBA. This is a great look for the league. And I'm sitting here like, he was just bitching about this team two years ago. So for him to come out and say that, I, I'm appreciative as a Bulls fan. But I'm also, I'm also worried because it'll just be so Chicago for a player who is no longer what he used to be to wear your team's colors. And you sit there like, ooh, is this the night that I'm going to get the old you? Because <laughs> I've been getting the old you every night. <laughs>
<laughs> you know what I mean? Like when Dwayne Wade got here and it was like, oh, this is <laughs> this is uh this is Bizarro Wade. This, <laughs> this ain't Dwayne Wade. This is my knees hurt <laughs> and I smell of luxury lotions after every post game, Dwayne Wade. This is this is who we got as Bulls fans, right? And don't don't get me started with the White Sox. I mean, from Ken Griffey Jr. to to every other player that Kenny Williams ever fell in love with, who he then got in the 18th and 17th years of their career. Like it's happened a lot for Chicago fans. This is the place where managers, coaches, players... Don't die. Oh, yeah, they, they love vacation in here. Shout out to Lou Pinella, who just came here, ski mask mm-hmm. on in a Speedo, and was like, this is the third leg of my vacation. You feel me? I, I did Seattle, I did Tampa Bay, and now I'm coming here in Chicago to, you know, to, to shut it on down. I, I hear y'all got a, a dope rooftop scene. I love margaritas. Let's kick it. Like, that's it's what how, it was. It's how superstar soccer players when they're, when they're done playing real soccer, they come over to MLS. MLS, yeah. <laughs> Shout out to David Beckham. Yeah. I, remember when, I remember when David Beckham touched down in LA. He's like, oh, this is going to take me. No, it's not. Stop it. <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's not. It's not. It didn't, and it won't. <laughs> Chicago's always there for you, baby. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so so now uh, I'm I'm going to have to, as a Bulls fan, have Giannis Antetokounmpo in the back of my mind for the next two or three years. And that's not going to be any fun because he's going to be kicking our ass for the next two or three years as well. So, like, you're going to be sitting there, ooh, are we about to become the Knicks fans? (laughs) Where teams, you know, guys come into your stadium and demolish you and you're like, oh, can't wait till you're not playing for us. I'm going to cheer for you and hold myself out real good, right? Like, all the Knicks fans, anytime somebody come to the garden, you put 60 on their head. It's like, yay, Dame Lillard. And Dame's like, yeah, I just signed a five-year, $3 billion deal to stay in Portland. Y'all can kiss my ass. I'm not coming there. You know, Zion Williamson comes there. He throws down a couple of dunks. Like, yay, Zion. And Zion's like, nah, fam, I got beignets down here. They don't even ask me to play. You know, <laughs> why would I come up there and do that? <laughs> I mean, like, this is what I don't want us to become this as fans. I don't want us to every time a star is like, hey, pick me, pick me. I'm in the corner. I'm the Bulls. Pick me. But yeah, shout out to Giannis for stirring it up a little bit. Um, how do you think his game is going to mature? Tony, because he's got that he's got that vibe of ultra talented effort guy. And with effort guys, first thing to go is their legs. Now you can look at a guy like Russell Westbrook and say, you know, guys are training differently than they ever had before. I remember when 16-year careers were like, oh my God, this guy's still playing. Like, for instance, what Robert Parrish was as a Chicago Bull is where LeBron James is minute-wise. Like just 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 uh-huh. think about what you saw from Robert Parrish as a bull, and think about what you're seeing from LeBron. So athletes have have taken conditioning and longevity with load management and all the other things to another level, right? A guy like Kevin Durant, which is the reason why the Brooklyn Nets can say, hey, "You giving us your whole damn team," even though he's in his 13th, 14th year, and and he's you know played huge minutes and been one of the best scorers of all time. We still think he can play this level for three or four years because of what guys are able to do now. So with Giannis, you have to ask yourself, is Giannis Antetokounmpo going to be some version of this the next time he is ready to sign a deal or if the Milwaukee thing at some point, you know, you got to pay too many people, luxury tax gets cumbersome, they start not selling out the five serve for him, you know, things happen. There's little cracks in the armor as you go along. What is Giannis Antetokounmpo going to be three or four years from now 
barring any unforeseen catastrophic injury. Because I want to... Games maturing is like the old man in me now that I watch for. Like, you know, as as guys get older, I want to see, and and I, I'm intrigued by what they've been working on, how it's now, you know, applied, and what the game is still asking from them. So what is Giannis in year 15, 14, 13, you think, Tony? Uh, I think he... I don't think there's another way to use him as he ages other than he's got to just be a post playmaker where he's taking dudes, just backing them down, using that body because most likely he's going to gain a little weight. And I just don't see anybody being able to, like, who's going to defend if he goes Dirk Nowitzki one-legged fadeaway? He's going to be able to do that till he's done playing basketball if he want to do it. Um, he's is too he going to he's be, gonna master that though. That's that's my thing. Is right. if he notices, man, I I can't get to the rim as well as I did. Once he started noticing, I think he he's not, apparently, apparently he's been practicing corner threes all yeah. offseason. So he's he's humble enough to know where his flaws are and oh, yeah. attack them. He's not that bullish yeah. as a, a Russell Westbrook to not to say, hey, this is what I do. I think he's humble enough and knows the limitations of his game to address those. So I think he's going to be a really good player when a contract comes up. He'll be a, he'll have a player option on 2025, uh, 2026, and he'll be 31 years old. Mm. I think he's going to be still a really, really effective player, superstar level player at 31, 32. So I, I think it's going to, he's still going to be honest, just a different form of it. There it is. There it is. I don't know if he'll be in a Bulls uniform, but Bulls fans surely got a little jolt of energy as they try to figure out what this season is going to look like. So shout out to Giannis Antetokounmpo for uh, making the Milwaukee Bucks brass pee on themselves just a little bit and making Bulls fans very, very happy uh, until the season starts where he will then mercilessly pound the Bulls into dust because that's what he's done over the last few years or so. So we'll see what happens. It's the full goal, baby! So, have either one of you guys ever, like, what, what high school sports did you guys play, if at all? Uh, All-conference high school basketball, baby. Let's oh, go. Shit. Oh, shit. I just I played, I just played a year of football. There it is. You and I are the same, Jesse. I played a year of football. Um, I went to Evanston Township High School. Shout out to the Wildcats. Um, I went to Evanston Township High School when it was a powerhouse football wise uh mid to late 90s it's a lot of kids put into the university of wisconsin university of illinois purdue like the big 10 was always walking through our hallways when it came to our football program the only reason i played football my freshman year was uh because my uncles played my all my uncles played football i looked up to all my uncles uh and it was you know it was a chance for me to jump into something organized. Uh, I wanted to see if I could do it, push my body. I was, you know, a little guy. I, I was five foot six. I was like five, 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 six into my senior year in high school. And then I had a seven inch growth spurt uh, going into my senior year, which um, changed things a lot for me at that school, to be honest with you. You know, really did. My yearbook proved it as well. There's a bunch of girls. Oh my God, I really had a crush on you. I'm like, you had 
four motherfucking years to do something about that crush. Four. Four. Huh? Waited to you waited till your man had a little height on him, huh? A little peach fuzz. All of a sudden you wanna you wanna be down. Still left high school a virgin though. So 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 none of it really mattered, to be honest with you. But but I digress. So <laughs> so the football program was outstanding. Shout out to uh and you know, God bless the dead, John Real. Um, shout out to Coach Mahoney. Um, heard a lot of words that a 14-year-old wasn't supposed to hear at the time. It was a, it was a different time back in, in 1994. You feel me? It was, it was a very, very different time. Your water, huh? <laughs> All right. <laughs> we, we had a field uh, that was, you know, our practice facility was, was outstanding. So we had like three practice fields, like stacked back to back to back. And when you made mistakes, you had to run your ass all the way down to Church Street, which was pretty much like three blocks away, right? And come back. And shout out to one of the coaches uh, who are, who's on the staff right now, Brent Nance. I used to always be like close to Brent or around Brent when he fucked up. And it would always be, hey, Nance, go down to Church Street. And then take your friend with you. And I'm like, God damn it. So like, I was standing next to Brent again. And now I got to run my stupid ass down to church street. But football was, you know, uh, an interesting experience for me. And I, I bring this story up for one reason. Because I don't know how many of y'all are out there who have experienced uh, a concussion. But I've only experienced one. It was the only one that I needed. I will never, ever, ever forget doing the Oklahoma drill. And you know how you get in line and you, you hopefully you're, you're lined up against somebody in similar height, similar weight, you feel me? That's the coach's responsibility, to be honest with you, is to, is to make sure that you're not overmatched in these situations. Me being the little kid that I am, just coming off the field pretty much asking coach one time, hey, how do I, uh, how do I improve my speed? And I bullshit you not. The coach looked at me and said, I don't know if that's going to be capable for you. And I was pretty much like, oh, so I should just quit now is what you're saying. Like, <laughs> am I, <laughs> like, am I the, the mule that, that can't get any be better? Like, am I, the, am I not thoroughbred status out here? Like, what's going on? Like, I'm a young man with dreams. I'm 14 damn years old. How are you going to tell me I can't get faster? Huh? Screw you, old man. That's why you coaching 14-year-old kids. I digress. So I'm in the Oklahoma drill. And at this time, we, the team was stacked. I'm on the freshman B team. Okay. I don't know why we are practicing with these other folks who are bigger and on different levels of football than, than I am. But I am on the freshman B team. Okay. I am playing. Saturday. That should not be a thing, Jason. It shouldn't. Let me well, tell you now. It, you, it, you, you want more people to get... That's no reason to have an extra set of people to bang heads. Hey, hey, hey. Let me tell you something right now. It shouldn't have been a thing. We were playing Saturday mornings at 9 a.m., not on the main field, but behind the bleachers on the backfield where parents, nobody came. No girls was out there. There was no payoff other than repeated head trauma. You feel me? And, and, and not being able to catch up on your Saturday morning cartoons. Let's not act like we didn't just come out of seventh and eighth grade. Like we didn't just jump from being children to grown ass men with, with responsibility. But I digress once again. So I'm in this drill, right? And at this time, we, you know, tr it's Trip Healy and Sean Hobson and like, they, like 
just names at the school. Dudes who are Siaka Massacre, just, just guys who are running around, just decimating, decimating football fields, right? Just, you're out there like, is this a freshman too? Like, what is he made of that I'm not made of? And then, and then, there comes the, the fateful day where I'm in the drill. <laughs> and the biggest motherfucker I have ever at, at this point in my life, as a 14-year-old, the biggest child that I had ever gone up against or seen, my man Alex Thomas. And no, Alex wasn't supposed to be out there with me at that time. No, no, no. Alex jumped back in for an extra rep. So that meant to me, you know, in life, sometimes somebody got to be the bitch. And, and that meant to me that he thought that I was the bitch in this moment. You know? And I'm like, damn, he's just gonna, he's just gonna jump in, like, excitedly jump back in for a rep too, right? Like, it's, it's like when you see the bum on the mound, he's like, oh shit, I'm a, let me warm up my shoulders a little bit. I, can you put me in? It's a race at the bat rack. That's how it felt in that moment. Alex Thomas and I, Alex Thomas at this point was probably six foot, six foot one, probably a good 240, 245, you know, a giant man against a child known as Jason Goff. Um, the drill started, and there was a flash of light. Um, all I remember is waking up, and the practice was on the other side of the field already. They had moved the, the, the drill to the other side of the field so as apparently enough air can get into my lifeless body. Or, like, I, I wasn't surrounded by a medic. <laughs> like, I, I, there wasn't the trainers, you know. There's always that trainer that's like, oh, okay, I, I ain't mad at that. You know, come on over here and treat this injury. No, no, no. That trainer didn't come over. It wasn't a coach like, you know, you see how you get the coaches kneeling down next to their players that they really care about. And it's like, ah, right, you're going to be able none of that. None of that. They moved to practice on the other side of the field because they had drills to do to continue. I was just a lifeless body on the ground at that point. And, <laughs> and from that moment on, I cheered for Alex Thomas. I cheered for Alex because I figured if that was the man that was going to, to make me not want to play football again, I was hoping that his football career would go forward and be fruitful. And, you know, <laughs> freshman through senior year, Alex and I had uh, a decent enough relationship, always caught him in the hallway. We, we always highlighted each other. Um, and then, obviously, I go to Southern Illinois, and then I jump into the radio thing, interning at the score, and I enjoyed my time for years and years and years. And Alex would always reach out. And immediately, I would always say, AT, remember that time you put me on my ass? And he would say yes. And we, we'd laugh about it. In recent years, turkey bowls, right? Thanksgiving Day, I go back to Evanston. We play on the field that I didn't get a chance to play on, right? It's 25 people out there. I'm putting out my best Dwight Freeney pass rushing moves. Alex is still out there touching me up and making sure I'm not getting nowhere close to the quarterback. Like, this is the kind of relationship that we have had over the last 15, 20 some odd years of uh, adulthood, right? Just dropping in saying, hey man, I'm proud of you and, and, and keeping it moving. Alex then went on to become a part of the Evanston Township uh, coaching staff. Uh, so to my, I don't want to say dismay because that may not be the, the, the best word, uh, but to my shock the other day, I got a call from a buddy of mine. Well, I actually text him just to check in and see how he was doing. And he told me 
that Alex Thomas had passed away, that Alex Thomas uh, suffered from some heart failure, apparently, and he passed away suddenly. Uh, A.T. had just uh, got engaged, and I believe they just got hitched. If not, we're on the way to getting hitched. Uh, he celebrated his daughter every chance, celebrated his kids every chance he got on Facebook. And, you know, it's one of those relationships where you, you know why you know a guy and you're kind of connected for that reason throughout the rest of time. So to hear of his passing uh, is it, sent the shockwave not only through the Evanston community, uh, but through Evanston Township High School. And it ruined, ruined, ruined my day because when people your age start to go around you, it is um, it is quite sobering. So for everybody out there, as we always say on this podcast, man, uh, not only take care of yourselves and be safe, but get yourself checked out. Uh, us as black men out here, we have a phobia of the doctor. I'm not saying this was Alex's situation. I'm not saying that at all, because I don't know the details of his situation. Um, so I'm not going to speak on him too tough, but make sure you guys out there getting yourselves checked out. You know, I talk a lot about taking your cool off when it comes to the White Sox. We got to take our cool off as men. You know, if you forget to, to get your yearly checkup or get your six month checkup, plan it around your birthday. That's what I do. And you're right around my birthday every single year. I make all my doctor's appointments, all my dentist appointments, all my optometrist appointments, get your blood checked, get, get your work up because you want to make sure that you are, um, battling the right way. You are making sure that you're taking care of not only you, but the people you got to take care of around you. Because when things happen suddenly, then people's lives are thrown into a flux because they miss you. But also life does have to go on. So to all the people out there in the city of Evanston and the community, uh, my heart is heavy with yours. And to Alex Thomas, my man, I will see you when I see you. But you better not skip a rep to, to, <laughs> to, to get in the drill with me up in heaven, man. Uh, rest easy, big fella, and we love you. The Full Goal with Jason Golf. That's all the time we have for episode 138 of the Full Goal podcast with Jason Golf. Catch us Thursday when we will be talking Bears Seahawks post game. Yeah, that's right. Preseason game number two, where we're sure to see all the offensive fireworks that Luke Getze and Justin Fields have up their sleeves. And we'll be talking about the finale of the Houston Astros White Sox series, as well as maybe some bull stuff in there as well. Don't forget, the full goal voicemail line is always open for you. 773-359-3103 is the phone number. Anytime you want to get anything off your bird, feel free to do so. I want to thank our guest today, Joy Taylor from Fox Sports. Appreciate Joy's time and appreciate her candid uh, comments on the business and also just, you know, the regular shit that she had to kick it with us. We appreciate Joy. That was fun. It was a lot of fun. I want to thank our production staff, as always, the shadowy figure that is known as Steve Cerruti, the active Jesse Lopez, and my main man, Tony Gill. For the fellas, I am Jason Goff. Thanking you so much for listening to this thing, for downloading it, for subscribing to it, for rating and reviewing it, whatever you do sharing it with your family and friends. We truly appreciate everything that you do for this podcast. Until the next time, as we always tell you, take care of each other. Be safe.